0: Hi, it's Rockin' John. Now hear this.
1: Well, give me, give me just a chord, huh? Yeah, I got a story to tell you. So let me tell you.
2: Tear drops on the city. Bad scooter searching for his groove. The whole world's walking pretty And you can't find the room to move Well, everybody better move over, that's all Because I'm running on the bad side In my back jungle taking all the heat they were giving the
0: We started with 10th Avenue Freeze Out, but it's a ballad version. This is
1: my favorite rendition of a Springsteen song where he takes a, an uptempo song and plays it as a ballad.
0: It's a, he, it's live, correct? It's
1: live. He just rearranges it, and I think
0: it's a stunner. But it's live with the E Street Band? Yes,
1: okay. yes. It's a stunner. You know, as a Springsteen fan, I'm always trying to share with people uh, different versions of, of classic songs, and this is one of the finest... Maybe the finest. It's that pretty good,
0: and it also sounds good for for a boot. It sounds pretty darn good. Yeah. It must have been a, um, a soundboard recording or anything. Something like that. Maybe you, you a radio that I, you
1: know, I probably have it at home.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good, and that was a, re- a really good opener too. And uh, we followed that up with one of my favorite bands. I think they're one of your favorite bands too. Called XTC. Unfortunately, I don't think they exist anymore. They're a British band, and they were comprised of uh, well, towards the end it was three guys: Andy Partridge. Who was the main singer-songwriter, guitar player? Colin Moulding, who is the bass player, and a guy named Dave Gregory, who basically put the the sprinkles on top. He's the guy that put the you know the icing on the cake. He could play keyboards, uh, arrange for uh, strings. Anyway, this song's called "Then She Appeared," and it's from their 1992 album called Nunsuch, which was produced by Gus Dudgeon, who was uh, Elton John's longtime producer when for all the hits that Elton did in the '70s. You know, there are
1: certain bands. That I lump into the classic British band category. Yeah. And XTC is
0: one of them. Squeeze is one of them. I guess uh-huh. I put the Kinks in there. What's funny is XTC started out as kind of a proto-punk band. And a funny thing about XTC is they stopped touring around, uh, I guess, around 1980 or so. But you know, like several years into their professional career, because Andy Partridge developed stage fright. They they had to stop touring. Uh, which affected the band big time. I think they lost their drummer and bass player. And they basically operated as a studio band. Three guys. They'd have to hire a drummer for every album. I think it's Prairie Prince on this. They they ended up liking Prairie Prince. I could be wrong about that. But when Todd Rundgren produced them for their their really well-known album, which was called Skylarking. From 1986, they used Prairie Prince, and I know they used him again later.
1: Well, Todd Rundgren makes sense. Yeah. When I was talking about Squeeze and XTC, and right. Kings, we're talking about Melody, and we're talking about
0: Beatlesque. Well, very British. They're very, I mean, no denying it. And they are very Beatlesque, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this song, uh, Then She Appeared... You'll hear very Beatlesque things, like circa late 60s, you know, the, the, Sarge, the 67 kind of sound that, you know, all you need is love and, and Magical Mystery Tour and Sgt. Pepper. You really hear it in this.
1: Now, you surprised me by uh, putting in a Deep Purple song from the Stormbringer album. I don't even know the album.
0: <laughs> Stormbringer is the album that came out after Burn in 1974. And Burn was the album where Roger Glover, was, who was the bass player of Deep Purple, He had left, as had the lead singer, Ian Gillan, and they brought in uh, the then-unknown David Coverdale to sing, and a guy named Glenn Hughes, who was a bass player in a band called Trapeze, who was also a singer, but he was a great bass player. Anyway, this was the second album they did under that, that version of Deep Purple. Although I think Richie Blackmore does some fantastic playing on this album, he disavowed this record completely. And it, he actually said it led to his uh, leaving the band uh, less than a year later. I've played this song for a lot of people, and i said, guess who this is? And nobody's going to guess Deep Purple. As a matter of fact, when Glenn Hughes sings The Bridge, it almost sounds like Stevie Wonder. And they're using the clavinet. You know, it, it was recorded in 1974, so they're using all the tools of the trade mm-hmm. of the time. But it's a, it's a kind of a catchy song. It's something you definitely wouldn't hear uh, on the radio.
1: I think very quietly we put on more original Fleetwood Mac than any other band in Now Hear This.
0: I, I'm not aware of that, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I mean Fleetwood Mac is, uh, you know, several different bands. It's like it's like if you put on Zappa or ask somebody, like, what Zappa they like. I mean, almost every album is a different band, different style. Fleetwood Mac, this is the original Fleetwood Mac with, uh, like, towards the end of the original Fleetwood Mac with three guitar players, Peter Green, Jeremy Spencer, and Danny Kerwin. And uh, this is our edit of Oh Well, which actually had parts one and two. And we decided to stick with just part one on this. Uh, You did a fantastic edit. We we had several passes at it, but you got it. It's just a great song. And also
1: Peter Green, he's got that touch. He's got a sting to his playing. He's got a melodicism. He's right up there. He is one of the greats of all time. And when people say, who is underappreciated... Uh, there's a long list, but at the top of that list, this guy Peter Green has got to be one of the most influential players and songwriters of that
0: era. He was, and he was, he was just a monster. He had a touch like you wouldn't believe. I think it was B.B. King said something like he thought out of all the white blues players of the time, the Eric Clapton, all the people that seemed to come through John Miles', <laughs> Miles blues breakers, he said that Peter Green was the guy. Next, we've, we've touched on Creedence Clearwater. We both like Creedence Clearwater Revival quite a bit. And this song is Commotion, which I know is a favorite of yours. Why don't you talk a little bit about it? I mean, it's a, it comes off of uh, Green River, which was, what, their second or third album uh, really broke, em, broke through. I don't remember if this was a single or not, but it, was, uh, it got played on the radio. You know, the,
1: the only reason I first heard this was because Mark Bonilla, a guitarist I'd signed to Guitar Recordings, did a cover instrumental version of this on his first record. I was not familiar with the Creedence version. Oh, so I, I heard, so. heard Mark Benia's instrumental, and I said, Wow, if really? it's that strong as an instrumental, it's got to be a great vocal. And, and it is. So there's commotion, it's got that train thing going where the rhythm is propulsive, it's insistent. And it rocks.
0: You know, no matter what John Fogarty says about Creedence Clearwater Revival as players, etc., you, all you have to do is listen to a song like this and you realize that was just a good band. Each guy was putting in 100%. In John Fogarty's recently released autobiography called Fortunate Son, he actually says that uh, Green River is his favorite album of all the Creedence albums. That's, he doesn't dislike or put down any of the other albums. He just said that Green River is much more him.
1: I think we're going to do a segment now on songs that rock. Okay. And that we start with the Lee Michaels.
2: You know that I- Don't you know that I've been
0: To, I think it was a great big hit in 1971 called Do You Know What I Mean by Lee Michaels. And what's interesting is just recently, all Lee Michaels has reissued all of his uh, records from the 60s and 70s. I think he might have recorded into the 80s, but he just stopped recording as a musician, uh, gave up music altogether, owns the rights to all his his uh, masters, and let everything just disappear. Just coincidentally, we put this song on Do You Know What I Mean, which as I say, was it was easily a top 10 hit in late 1971. I don't know how far it got, but it was a top 10 hit off of his fifth album, called Fifth, which is a pretty good album. I have it. But the funny thing is, is just recently, Lee Michaels has allowed most of his records to be reissued. I'm talking about just in the last couple of months. These things have been out of print for decades. If you like this, you might want to go check out some of his other stuff, because oh, what was really interesting about Lee Michaels was his lineup was him on keyboards. Later on, he took up guitar, and it wasn't very good. At it apparently, but his lineup was keyboards and a drummer. The drummer's name was Frosty. <laughs> yeah,
2: right.
1: and, and live, Frosty would take a drum solo with just his hands. He wouldn't oh, use
0: sticks. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. I I don't know if he if uh, Lee Michaels ever put out a live album. But I, as I say, it was. I remember at the time it was he was notable. F- he was noted for having you know just himself and a drummer on stage. No, I think he might have been playing some uh, bass pedals. On the organ. Yeah. Yeah. That's followed by a rather obscure recording by a guy named Mike McGear, whose real name is Mike McCartney, and he's Paul McCartney's brother, who changed his name just so he wouldn't be riding on his brother's coattails in the 60s. In 1973, right after Paul had had a big hit with Band on the Run and was looking to put together a lineup of wings to tour the United States, at the same time he was doing that, he was producing his brother's first and only music album called McGear which is well worth looking looking for. It's the missing Paul McCartney album. Paul plays on it. Paul sings on it. Paul produced it. He's all over it. Plus... All these guys that, that were in Wings are all over it. Guys that didn't make it into Wings, as I say, Paul was kind of using it as a uh, audition for for Wings. Anyway, there's this song, and it's called "Leave It." It was the single from McGear. It's very, very catchy, very rocking. Uh, I believe Paul wrote it. It didn't do very well, and uh, he never. I don't think he ever made another album after this. But this album came out late 1974. It's a great record. If you ever have a chance to to seek it out, it's a, It's not like a Paul McCartney record, as you'll hear his voice. Isn't like Paul McCartney's, it's different. It's got quite a range though, which is not surprising. If you ever get a chance to hear the album McGear, I highly recommend it.
1: And since we're in the land of segues, it made absolute sense to me. Play Howard Johnson's Got His Hojo Working on Me by NRBQ. By NRBQ. And and that, that song is just. One of my favorite rockers. I love the lyric. I love the feel of the song. It makes me smile. I I want to hear this song. Get in your car and listen to this song.
0: Definitely. And then I think we did a great job following that up with Keep Playing That Rock and Roll by Edgar Winter's White Trash. I believe that was the summer of 1971. I remember my sister had that album. My older sister had that album. I would play it to death, and that's how I got to know it. You know, it's funny how, if you you have older or younger brothers and sisters that were into music, how your tastes can be so informed by what they were playing. I know there were records in my collection that wouldn't have ever been there if it weren't for my older sister. And then they weren't there because she'd take them. (laughs) Anyway, so. (laughs) This is a great record because
1: the way I understand it, Edgar Winder was given his contract with Epic. He said to them, let me make a record that I want to make. Sort of, a, this was Edgar Winter's entrance album, which had a- That was the first album. It that, has a jazzier feel. That was, that was feel. before
0: this album, yes. by about a year. Had a
1: jazzier feel, was more experimental, more exploratory from a musician's point of view. No singles, though I think it was a, a great, great record. And then he said to them, let me do this record where I explore, and then I'll give you a record that's a fine commercial record. And he did it. This is a fine commercial album of his first white trash. Yes, it really is. It is. The other singer, Jerry LaCroix, was also very sort of gospel, Ray Charles-like. I thought the two of them together made a fine, fine... You know, I don't band. know if you know this, John,
0: but they, they actually did... Uh, uh, he did another Edgar Winner's White... Well, there there was a great live album after that. that, that Roadwork. Roadwork. That's a great live album. After, right after that came out, I guess they broke up and he began the first iteration of at the Edgar Winter Group, which happened to be the first concert I ever saw in my life at the Greenwich High School in Greenwich, Connecticut. The guitar player at the time was um, uh, Ronnie Montrose, Montrose? who only lasted for one album. The follow-up album, Shock Treatment, it was um, Rick Derringer, I believe, Mm -hmm. was the guitar player then. But they had a great songwriter named Dan Hartman, bass player, songwriter, who you know, the late Dan Hartman, who's, I think he also had some uh, solo hits that were kind of disco-y in the yes. late 70s. Keep playing that rock and roll. It's just a, a great song. Great, they were great a great song. horn
1: band. I mean, you yeah. got to put them up there with Plus What and Tears in Chicago. They were a jazz rock band. They were like uh, Electric Flag, too. Yes. The same thing. It was R&B, gospel, funk. And and that live, your winners White Trash was a tremendous Yes. Double yes. live album. I keep waiting for Epic to put out the rest of the concert. Like, where is the rest of those nights? Or you know, yeah,
0: you you're very right because you'd think that that that, that would be ripe for uh, you know an extended version or expanded version of an album.
1: I think the Edgar Winter White Trash album, the first one. Had a lot of great songs. He playing that rock and roll. The song that I love is Dying to Live.
0: Dying to Live, and yes. And
1: I, I tried to pitch that to Bette Midler once. <laughs> yeah.
0: Really? Yeah. How'd that go?
1: Didn't go well. Yeah. But it, it didn't matter. I mean, the song has been re-recorded. But you know, we recorded it recently, Cat Stevens.
0: Wow, I didn't know that.
1: We're going to do a little segment on oh. lyrics that are cynical or funny. How do you want to explain the segment? They've
0: got, got a twinkle in their eye. Okay. <laughs> they got okay. There's, I wouldn't say that it's comedy, and I wouldn't say it's parody. Uh, how do you describe Randy Newman? We're about to talk about a Randy Newman song. I mean, it's unique. Uh, it's going to put a smile on your face, one way or the other.
1: But there's a certain uh, astute cynicism.
0: Astute cynicism. He's not hitting you over the head with anything. He does it all very subtly. And he does it very subtly with this particular song called Shame.
1: So let's do a segment on astute cynicism, starring... Randy Newman.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would say that Shame, which is both of our... We both love this song. I think it's Lina Ronstadt doing the background vocals, which are kind of a a Greek chorus uh, responding to what he's singing. Rather than talk about this song, you really just need to hear it. (laughs) And we followed that with a great rock and roll song by Faces, uh, which was one of the first bands Rod Stewart was in after he was in the Jeff Beck group. He and Ron Wood, who's currently in the Rolling Stones... They had both been playing with Jeff Beck. Uh, Ron Wood had actually been the bass player for the Jeff Beck group. They uh, they got together with what was left of the Small Faces, a uh, '60s English band. Their leader, uh, Steve Marriott, had just left the band. Anyway, long story short, the Faces were a great rock and roll. They were. They were all the the English band's favorite band to go see, you know, the Stones loved them, the Who loved them every. And it's funny when they broke up, each member was cherry picked for, you know, Kenny Jones went to the Who, Rod Stewart went solo, Ron Wood of course went to the Rolling Stones where he'd been on loan for the 1975 tour. This song is called You're So Rude, it's written by the late Ronnie Lane and the late Ian McLagan. Not only is it a great great example of Rod Ron Wood's Unique style of guitar playing which is kind of lost in the stones but his unique personal style of guitar playing towards the end of this song uh where he really is just not jamming but just percolating a groove that's really good and the whole band is just they're on top of it but it's relaxed at the same time it's, they're ro- relaxed rocking if you could call it that
1: and what's the lyric about
0: the lyrics about bringing a girl home and then uh, the parents show up <laughs> And It's called "You're So Rude." Of course, the blame is laid on her, but <laughs> but it's, uh, it's 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 quite quite funny to listen to. It's it's uh, Ronnie Lane does the lead lead vocal. Everybody except Rod Stewart always said Ronnie Lane was the heart and soul of Faces. That he was you know once he left the band, it really wasn't the same anymore. That leads into a song called "Eugene," Crazy Joe and the Variable Speed Band. I don't really know what to say about this song other than. Ace Frehley of Kiss had something to do with it. I think he financed it. I think he might even play guitar on it. It appeared on Casablanca Records in early 1981 as a single. I do think there's there was an album called Crazy Joe and the Variable Speed Band. I don't know the album, but I do know the single. It's called Eugene. All I can say is, yeah, you have to listen to it. I, I can't describe.
1: Tell me this.
0: about what's the lyric thing. I mean, that's what <laughs> br- that's why we played it because of the lyric. Well, Eugene. <laughs> it's it's about Eugene. You just got to hear it. I don't know who.
3: We love baby I Come and never come around We love baby how come you never come around? Send you all them pretty flowers. Now you know where to be found. Call you up at midnight sometime, I must admit, when I find you're not at home. My head heats up like a furnace. My heart grows colder than a stone. So what's the good of all this money I got? If every night I'm left here all alone. It's a gun that I need. Change, 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 change. I ain't saying to nothing. talking about alright let's talk a little business you know what I'm saying man of my experience of life don't expect a beautiful young woman like yourself to come on over here every day, have some old dude banging on her like a gypsy on a tambourine that's not what we're talking about that's not what we're talking about that's not what we're talking about but I will say this I've been all over the world I've seen some wonderful things I've been well lately and I have no one to share my plans, my dreams, my hopes, my schemes, my change,
2: change, change,
3: change, change. You could be right. I sunk pretty low this time. Shame, 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 shame. These are truly desperate time. Saw your little sandals, baby. Up behind the wishing well. Down here in the cool depths of the quarter, where the rich folk dwell, the picture you in diamonds, satins and pearls. Come on back to daddy, daddy misses little baby girl. Now my father, he is an angry man. i no longer neighbor man Don't make me beg you Don't make me beg You know what it feels like? Morning. Have every joint in your body aging, goddammit. You know what it feels like Ever have to get up in the middle of the night, sit down and take a piss. You do know, so you say. I have my doubts missing. Do you know what it feels like to have to beg a little bum like you for love? Goddammit, you little bitch. I tell you, about did love you so much. Shut up! Forgive me, my unfocused words, I was flying blind, I, I lost my mind, you can find it in your heart if you got one, forgive me, I'd be ever so grateful to you. Will you stop that please? Will you stop that please, I'm trying to talk to someone, thank you. You know I have a Lexus now, I don't get out much. You know what I'm saying, come on home.
4: Jason!
5: My name is Eugene
4: I'm a cool dude in a loose mood Bells for my girl <laughs> Ooh, 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 boy, I got better
2: things to do. I got lands and they don't include you tonight. 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 Who is this guy?
4: Oh, uh, Eugene. But the doctor said, you know, I ain't going to make it much longer. You know what I mean? Uh, you know. Oh, 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 boy, I got tonight.
2: Tonight. Tonight. Hey, what did you say on the
4: name? Uh, uh, Eugene. How you say we got on Louis Pizza?
1: segment is going to be about songs that make us smile, that bring us joy. First song is The Eternal Kansas City by the mighty Van Morrison. Love this fade-in. This is going to be one of the longest fade-ins of all time. There's a thing with Van Morrison that when he's connected, he can say a word over and over and over again, and you're with him each time he's saying that word. And in this particular case... They take this little excuse me, do you know the way to Kansas City? I don't know how many times they do it before the song starts five. It's six like ten. it's a chorus of, a, of people
0: uh, And it starts out It starts out really quiet and builds very slowly.
1: It's just wonderful. And then it just
0: and then it breaks kicks in, in into uh, like a jazzy uptempo.
1: Uh, just fantastic. And it has my favorite hut in the history <laughs> of rock music. Yeah. And he goes in, "The city is eternal. <laughs>
2: it should also be
0: noted that this is on an album of his that is probably his worst-selling album of all time called A Period of Transition. came out in April 1977. It's produced by Mac Rebennack, a.k.a. Dr. John. And uh, the drummer is Ollie Brown, who was uh, Stevie Wonder's drummer for a lot of those 70s hits. I think that the A Period of Transition album is fantastic. It's uh, very loose, very up-tempo. It's also the last time, really, that Van did a a studio record with a lot of up-tempo songs and full horn sections and everything. Started dialing that stuff out after this album. So it's worth worth noting for that. It's a my understanding is the reason it was called a period of transition is after 1974's Veden Fleece album, he tried recording several albums. They weren't happening. And he, that's why this was called a period of transition. A lot of those songs from the mid 70s for these uh, aborted albums uh, were released on an album called The Philosopher's Stone, a double album of outtakes that's worth seeking out if you ever get the chance.
1: The song Eternal Kansas City is about music and all the great musicians. I came from Kansas City.
0: And then rock, song that makes you smile. Is Obla Di Obla Da. One of the first records of the Beatles that, put it this way, in 1968 for Christmas, my older sister got a stereo and the brand new Beatles White Album. I got a tape recorder. What did I tape? The Beatles White Album. And I fell in love with the song at, I believe I was nine years old, Obla Di Obla Da. All I have to say is, it's so much fun. I've probably played this song, I don't know, 10,000 times, and... I have to say, I still think that the horn section and the horn arrangement is genius. The late George Martin and Paul McCartney just cooked up a genius horn section. It's the right amount of horns. It's the right horns. And it's, it's a completely different melody, counter melody that's going on. That just, It's just perfect absolute perfection it's just a lot of fun i know even the beatles of the other beatles themselves thought it was a rather trite song but i don't care it's it's a really good song and by the way that opening piano salvo was all john lennon's he said it needed something at the beginning and one last thing is uh on the beatles anthology you get to hear a, a full version of oh blah, dear, oh blah, da, that they had recorded and recorded and finished the the vibe just isn't there Then they recorded this version, completely different vibe, and this just makes it. I have a feeling if they tried to do it a third time, they wouldn't have gotten it. This is what they got. George Martin served them so well on this song.
1: Another song that really makes me smile is Life is Beautiful. Uh, The artist is Keb Moe, Kevin Moore, his real name is. Uh, I've never been a lyrics-first kind of guy. I like the overall sound of music with the vocal, with the lyric, but I usually... Don't hone in on the lyrics right away. And in this case, these lyrics just latched on to me. Uh, I was having a wonderful time in my life. My daughters uh, got married within a couple of years of each other. And my wife, Anthony and I were having a good time. This song, Life is Beautiful, is... Uh, a soundtrack. Yeah, it could be a soundtrack to that part of my life. It's, it's, luckily, it's still happening right now. Yes. Uh, but it's a great song to share with anyone uh, that you love. That's That's...
0: Says it all. Then we move on to both, you know, how can, how, what, what can you say about Mr. Stevie Wonder other than he's just the best? That series of four or five albums he recorded between, I guess it started with Music of My Mind in 1971 and went through at least Songs of the Key of the Life, his double LP, just masterpiece from 1976. Although some people would include uh, Hotter Than July that w- was out in 1980. And then there was The Secret Life of Plants, which I have to be honest, I don't think I've ever heard. Uh, which came out in 79, I believe. That was another haven't double heard album. I have that one that's, that's almost doesn't count. It's, I believe that was a special, it's a lot of instrumental, I believe. But anyway, what we're talking about here is Songs in the Key of Life, which is just a double album with a bonus EP. And in those days, everything was on vinyl. So you had four extra songs on top of two LPs. And, I mean, you just have to remember, in the period of four or five years... He not only wrote this stuff, but recorded it all with him playing a lot of times most of the instruments, if not all the instruments. Uh, John, you, you picked this song. It's one of the lesser known songs on that album, if that's possible. I'm not gonna make you uh, name it because I don't speak whatever language that is. So. I was it I Am Singing. Well, why don't you talk about it? Because you really zeroed in on this one and you, you kind of, I didn't think you could find a Stevie Wonder song that I didn't know about on those, those, that particular album that I didn't like identify with immediately.
1: Well, he's really saying, I am singing of the joys of love, joys of the heart. And whenever I make a mix CD, back in the day of mixed cassettes, like, I would often start with this song. It was a great opening because it was so joyous. And positive. And positive. The melody is great. And it's really cool because he's singing in, I don't know whether it's an African dialect, but there's. it, it doesn't matter what the language is,
0: the intent of the the music is universal. And it flows. It flows so well. That that whole album, everything just works. We finish up with the great Ray Davis of the Kinks and a classic, classic, classic song that was never a big hit in the United States called Days. And anybody that's ever heard this song loves it. Just a fine song. Um, Do you have anything to add on that?
1: You know, I I don't know where I heard it. I heard it very recently. Yeah. And I said, boy, this is so good. We got to p- put a segment on that says songs that make you happy. And this was the song that I said, this is worth doing a whole segment just to get this song in there somewhere.
0: And it is, as I say, it's a it's a great song. just uh, Just one of the best that they ever came up with.
5: Like the melody in the moonlight in your eyes And a song that lasts forever Keeps on getting better all the time Cause life is beautiful Life is wondrous Every star above Shining just for us Life is beautiful On a stormy night Somewhere in the world The sun is shining bright I get crazy So afraid That I might lose you One fine day and I'll be nothing But a tired old man And I don't wanna be without you At the party So easily forgotten The most important thing Is that I love you I do And I wanna spend my days and nights Walking through this crazy world with you. Life is beautiful. Life is wonderful. Every star above is shining just for us. Life is beautiful on a stormy night. Somewhere world the sun is shining is beautiful, life is wondrous, every star above is shining just for us, life is beautiful on a stormy night, somewhere in the world, the sun is shining, shining bright.
2: Melody So I tried to put it in words That's what we're talking about.